Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Guy Freeman online. Guy, how are you? Good. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So why don't you share with the audience a little about you and uh, some of the things you're working on right now? Sure. I'm Guy. I'm the CEO and co-founder of SteadyMB. I'm a startup guy, entrepreneur. Um, started my first company in 2010. Uh, that business was actually called Hire Next. It was in the online proctoring space. So that was a uh, platform that allowed students to be tested remotely for their online courses so they couldn't cheat or, um, and, uh, you know, use external resources during their exam. So video platform as well as screen sharing and a bunch of technology around that. Um, I ended up selling that company and working for the acquirer for a few years, but all the while I was kind of inspired by this idea around, um, taking the application we built, uh, and applying that to telehealth and digital health where, they saw a ton of opportunities in, in the healthcare space to create efficiencies as well as a care for patients in a, in a better and more robust way. Um, so after I ended my earnout with that company, I took some time off, really studied the healthcare industry and got kind of obsessed with this idea around primary care. And uh, really the core theme is around enhancing trust between patients and clinicians and through, uh, through the clinician's trust with SteadyMD, uh, enable, enable like, um, a better system for, for everyone. So the initial idea for SteadyMD was actually in the virtual primary care space. We started really one of the first real attempts at concierge primary care, but completely online. So the, the real product uh, was developing a platform that allowed patients to connect with the doctor, really aligned with them and aligned with their life and develop a permanent long-term relationship with that clinician. And so we ran that business for exclusively for about four and a half, five years, um, all the while building core infrastructure to help us run our own company. So the ability to recruit, manage and train clinicians, a product and technology that connected the patient experience to the clinician experience, clinical protocols for everything under the sun from prescriptions, labs, referrals, you name it. And then a legal and regulatory underpinning kind of that allowed, allowed us to practice primary care in all 50 states. So fast forward to early 2020, we had built all this incredible infrastructure and we started to get these calls from other companies in the space, which um, asked us all for kind of the same thing. Do you have any clinician capacity you could spare any clinician, uh, any clinicians that could work on our platforms and help us out with our demand. And we saw that as a signal to really help the industry thrive and grow as core infrastructure. So we pivoted the whole business to this idea around uh, being an on-demand clinician network and product and technology to help other companies grow and expand as a, as a critical piece of the infrastructure to help digital health grow and thrive, um, enable a lot of these innovative companies to see more patients and connect with the right clinicians who are appropriate for their platform. So uh, we've been doing that ever since. It was um, you know mid-2020, we started to dabble and then really did a full pivot over the last year and a half. And now we power a lot of uh, 
digital health platform with our with our product and technology. Well, it's amazing that you had the the insight to do something like this several years ago, of course, not knowing what was about to hit us all. And yeah, I was, you know, I worked in primary care as an executive for almost a little over a decade. And I was in an underserviced area and there's different parts of the country, obviously, that doesn't have as many clinicians or mental health professionals or things like that. You know, rural America, there's just not a lot there. So the advent of internet access, and now, you know, you pretty much get high-speed internet anywhere, uh, opened the door for people to be able to access the mental and primary health care that they need without needing to leave home. And when the pandemic hit and we were all told, don't leave home, it really opened up the doors. And I, and I think, too, uh, as you probably saw with all the interest that came your way, that those people that were never really on board with wanting to do virtual care all of a sudden realized in order for them to be able to see patients and help people, they had to do that. And you had the infrastructure pretty much ready to go to roll that out. So you saved, your organization saved lives. I, I, I'm boldly going to say that. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. Um, I think uh, the industry was really primed uh, over years and years building out, you know, the, 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 the ability to do a telehealth call with a doctor is not an old, it's not a brand new concept. I mean, it's been around for years, but really what COVID did was kind of supercharge this grand experiment, um, you know, not only in healthcare, but in many industries of can this work and almost force people to try it. Um, so I thought it was, it was really uh, in, the, in the digital health space specifically, a lot of companies got way more volume in a shorter amount of time to help test their products and see if, see how viable and effective they were where, in an alternative world, it would have taken years to get that volume to see kind of the data to come back. So um, that's a that's a uh, an interesting impact of COVID um, that really affected the whole you know the whole industry across the board. Yeah, COVID, I think you know poured some jet fuel on moving things forward because yeah. normally as humans we like to take things a little bit slower when we can, and we didn't really have that opportunity. Uh, in this, and it was actually, I you know, I go out as far as say, almost a blessing in a way to move things forward in a lot of different industries, not just healthcare, but other areas as well, that were a little slow to implement the technology, like you said, that's been around for a long time, but people were a little hesitant to it. Then all of a sudden, no, if if you want to survive, you're going to have to use this, right. and and it really moved things forward, and it and it increased access to care. And I think that was one of the biggest things, again, I saw in my career was how do we increase access to care? You know, there's some restrictions, but, you know, how do we recruit physicians to work in a particular area and they don't want to? Well, with virtual care, you know, they can service that area and they can build up a pretty decent practice and, you know, work remotely a good chunk of the time and help people in need and, 
you know, not necessarily have to go to that area to, to help them. And with the mental health side of things, you know, we, we, you and I both know this, it's been a very taxing time for everybody over the last few years. So mental health needs have increased quite a bit. And again, having access to that in the privacy of your home as well, especially with that, because there's still a stigma for a lot of people. Um, But if they can have that appointment in home, they don't have to worry about going to a clinic and running into one of their neighbors and they're going, who are you here to see? Well, I'm here to see Sheila. And they're going, oh, Sheila, she's the social worker. Uh-oh. And, you know, small, as they say in small towns, as if, if you don't know your business, your neighbor does. So uh, it's, it, you know, I worked in a small town before, so I, I, I know what that's like. But ultimately, it, it really fast forwarded things a bit. So what were some of the especially when these people are reaching out, you know, you had that aha moment going, Hmm, maybe we need to pivot because we're getting a lot of questions about something that we can do, but we're not necessarily doing right now. So how was that? Um, It was was interesting. Um, I had assumed there were dozens and dozens of companies in the space that built all the infrastructure we had built. Um, But actually that was a really false assumption Um, to have a, 50 state enabled digital health operation um, was pretty rare. And it was something that every single company basically needed in order to sell their product in the space. So in order to serve patients, you need a clinician licensed in the state where the patient lives. So we had built up all these tools. And um, I think rather new, rather, rather uniquely we're in the right place at the right time. And um, we actually, uh, didn't take this massive risk or this huge pivot without really good data. It was really clear. <laughs> Once we started to do it for a few companies, um, there was a huge amount of inbound demand without much effort on our part. We didn't have to do a massive marketing campaign, change our website or hire someone, a person to spearhead this. We just started to get a flood of requests basically based on uh, word of mouth across the industry. So that was a really strong signal that um, there's a very viable uh, business here and uh, really a great way for us to impact more patients um, in in a really positive way. Um, I think every digital health company kind of struggles with this balance of their um, core product, you know, go to market and the clinician, you know, the clinician side of the house and how to balance those two pieces. And so if we t- kind of take responsibility for, we want to be the home for the clinician and digital health and really treat them with respect, autonomy, trust, and build those values, it really helps the whole industry because it allows us to really um, take responsibility for that piece of the piece of the, uh, the puzzle and the piece of the piece of the digital health health industry. And um, we, we really like that place. Um, I, when we launched the original version of SteadyMD, we heard a lot of pain and and uh, and a lot of burnout. I know I know burnout's a, a big topic for you in the primary care physician space, especially. Um, you interview ten primary care physicians. A big piece of what they're uh, going through is you know they they feel like they're underpaid, overworked, um, not appreciated by the industry, which is bigger than you think. I mean, I think there's this idea around appreciation and trust that sort of got lost uh, maybe over the, you know, the last few years that um, we really try and focus on here to help mitigate that. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to 
you know, talk about that, but it's a pretty big deal. And a lot of people, especially if they're not familiar with, you know, how things work in the U S because I've got international audiences, it's 50 States. And that's 50 different sets of regulations when it comes to healthcare. And California is different than New York. That's different from Florida and Texas and Rhode Island. And so the fact that you had that infrastructure ready to go, just made things so much easier for you to be able to deploy this across the United States so quickly. So I commend you and your team again on having that, that insight to get that set up. Yeah. And I appreciate it. It was, a, it's a pretty uh, hairy problem um, for the, for your international let's listen to listeners um, in the U S it is very state-based for digital health. Meaning if you're licensed to practice medicine, let's say Missouri where I live, five miles away is Illinois. You actually can't prescribe in Illinois unless you get an Illinois license as well. So um, that moment is incredibly rigorous and complex and takes a lot of money and time. Uh, and so to do it in all 50 states is a pretty, uh, pretty audacious thing to do. It takes years and dozens and dozens of people as well as uh, resources. And it's just, it's a monster. So we're happy to help other digital health companies fast forward that and then just plug into our system and our network and, and focus on what their core competency is, which is really taking care of patients, a great patient experience, a great go to market and way to get this in the hands of as many patients as possible. Let, let us worry about the uh, clinician infrastructure and if the clinician's ready to go. And that's the beautiful thing about the way you're doing it as well is you're controlling, uh, maybe controlling is not the right word, (laughs) you're overseeing your team. And by doing that, you have the ability to make sure that, as you said, you know, with physician burnout is horrible. I've spoken at Becker's Healthcare on a couple occasions about nurse burnout and physician burnout. It's frightening. And as our population continues to age and they're getting more and more complex with the things that they're dealing with, we need more healthcare providers, not less. And if physicians are burning out and potentially leaving the profession altogether, which we're seeing, which never would have imagined that, you know, never imagined someone that has gone through the years and years and years of dedication and the education and the schooling and the practice and all of that to just up and say, I'm done is downright scary. And it's a big problem for society. And I love the fact that your organization is focusing on that as long as everything else that you're doing, but you're focusing on the wellness of the people that are working for you and making sure that they're you know, taken care of and their needs are being met. And the system is set up in such a way where it, it removes a lot of the complexities that you know, so many solo practitioners or individuals have to deal with because the compliance, insurance, all these other things that everybody has to, you know, deal with on top of technology and everything else, because you've set all that up and have people in this network, it just makes things so much easier for them so they can focus on doing what they went to school for and what they want to do. Hey, you described it great. I mean, I think um, we're trying to maximize the clinical time that you spend with the patient, which is what every almost basically hundred percent of clinicians want. Um, and so designing a product and technology that allows them to do that um, is really the goal. And the mission is to 
you know, you can solve the physician shortage in a few different ways. Um, make a clinician more efficient. Um, and I don't mean admin time to bill. I mean, more efficient in seeing patients and really providing care or uh, get them licensed in a bunch of states so they can have access to more clinic. <laughs> you can kind of even out the, the, um, the patients coming in through the front door with the clinician workforce in America. So there's a few different levers we can pull here, but um, we're trying to uh, create a really great, you know, bridge between the digital health companies and the clinicians who want to work with them and be that connective tissue between those two groups. So where do you see things going once this pandemic is declared? Yeah. Done. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, yeah. what, yeah, what, what is done? Yeah. Who knows yeah, if the lever declared? Uh, we, um, I kind of think, as we said, like it was some forced adoption during COVID and then that's sort of waning now. So once you have an in-person experience back available to a patient, we're going to sort of see a steady state of adoption versus some crazy like 90% number. You know, I think um, once we sort of establish that, I think it's just going to increase basically forever. You know, the, the share of digital health as a percentage of overall care this is like we're at the dawn of we're in the first inning of a new era where um, it's going to be more consistent growth year after year. It's just going to keep chipping away, almost like e-commerce to retail or um, just internet adoption in general. You were in these first innings, you know, years ago, and there's always a company that kind of helps power it in the, on the infrastructure level. And we want to be that for digital health. So I, I believe we're really, um, in the first innings of a, you know, years and years of growth for digital health as a whole, as a whole category. Um, one thing that's new. So, you know, the ability for a clinician to talk to a patient on the phone that's been around since the invention of the phone, you know, my grandpa did that <laughs> and when he was a doctor, and that's not, that's not a metaphor. My grandpa actually was a doctor and did that, <laughs> um, or maybe not a metaphor, an example. Um, but, um, there's been billions of dollars poured into digital health around every like kind of condition and point solution under the sun. So you have like diabetes, weight loss, fertility, you know, men's health, women's health. And then you have your edge case, like kind of like longer tail chronic conditions. Those are new. Those have all emerged in the last, you know, five, six years. I think you're going to see a lot of adoption there as well, where, you can argue that some of these platforms have a have a better experience than the in-person experience uh, where if this company is completely nerded out on X condition and they have the ultimate workflow as well as like a direct access to a clinician really trained on that topic. That's a really good experience for the patient. So now it's a matter for them to uh, really crack the adoption and continue to get more and more volume. But when you have so much innovation, uh, typically you're going to see some winners emerge that really dominate each of these categories. So I'm excited to see, um, we sort of have a front row seat working with all these companies, seeing, seeing what they do. And I'm excited to see who really emerges as the leaders here. Plus two is something that I've seen, you know, again, I worked in primary care for over a decade and you have your, 
I'll call them traditional physicians, not to say old, but older. Um, I worked with a physician who was in his 90s. He's like, why would I want to retire? I'm like, okay, that's right. You're still practicing. That's fine. And then you had, you know, brand new physicians and obviously a little bit different skill set and exposure, but, you know, much like, you know, working with different healthcare providers, the younger grads or the new physicians, that's what they've been trained in. They're used to working with other people in a collaborative manner. I see the same thing with with digital health is the graduates now and in the future, that's what they're going to be working on and they're going to want to go into a practice that has that. So I think your adoption, like you said, is going to be a steady increase as more and more new physicians come into the field and they're going to say, I want that. That's what, that's how I want to practice. I mean, uh, I don't think, you know, there's still faxing, you know, I think, I think uh, in a lot of this practice, like pretty paper-based you get these newer clinicians coming in with, you know, they grew up, you know, internet natives, mobile natives with chat, texting apps, uh, you know, you're going to see, um, you know, more adoption by that, that cohort of clinicians as well. So it's, to me, it's a, uh, inevitability that we continue to see really cool innovation in the space, as well as adoption we haven't seen in the past from both patients and clinicians. Like, um, even, you know, even since we started this company, um, even the older generation of folks who wouldn't have imagined using digital health are starting to use it more and more now because they recognize the convenience as well as um, efficacy of a lot of the platforms. So, um, you know, my, my, you know, my parents' generation, they know how to Skype, they know how to FaceTime, they know how to text. It's not like those are, they, they got to connect with uh, the younger generation at some level. So um, a lot of the technologies, I think it's exaggerated how, resistant the older generation is too sometimes they they uh facetime with their grandkids every week they can they can have a video call with the doctor you know they, they know what zoom is and, and all that stuff so i think um you're going to see increased adoption across every cohort i agree and um i hope i get invited to the party when they finally retire the fax machine because i think we'd love, <laughs> we'd love <Sure>. to <laughs> say yeah we'd love to say goodbye to those things but maybe it'll yeah, be well, like, uh, it's, it's funny it's like e-faxing now i'm like why do we have to call it e-fax <laughs> an e-fax is pretty pretty funny but i guess the the recipient ha- might have a fax machine so there you go I, I I don't, but uh, I, I I don't think I ever owned a fax. Well, actually, I take that back. I had one of those multi-purpose printer things, and it had a fax feature, and I never hooked a phone line into it. So there it goes. So, guy, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work that you're doing? Studyentity.com. You know, and then uh, also, I'm at uh, if any of your anyone wants to reach out, I'm guy at Studyentity. Pretty easy to easy to reach out to me as well. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So, Guy, thank you. Uh, As somebody that used to work in the industry, I am excited for what you're doing and what the future is going to bring for everybody, not just your business, but for patients that need access to care and have had difficulty getting it and clinicians that want to deliver it in a way that's effective and efficient and they can still enjoy the work that they do. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate your time and and, uh, good luck with the podcast in the future. and, and Happy to be here. 
Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.